morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. All right, we got it going on here. That's good. This way, by saying that, I save you from having to say good morning again for the the 12th time, right? So so that's, we'll try it one more time. This is the custom, right? Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, isn't that good? All right, well, we have a special guest here with us this morning. Um, We have known Bernard and Ron Ugwoke. Did I get it right? Ugwoke. Okay, uh, for probably about 10 years, maybe 15 years at this point. Um, Bernard and Ron, what would you say? Would you say 10, 10, 15 years probably? Wow. Okay. It's amazing. And we first uh, met Bernard really through a friend through Ken. I think Ken Menzel was the one who introduced you uh, to us. And at the time, Bernard and Ron uh, and their family. How many children do you have? Only three. Only three. Okay. Um, At the time, they were uh, ministering in Africa in the Gambia. And, uh, and continued to minister, minister there for many years, and then a number of years ago came back to the States and are now working with the Jesus Film Project, if I got that right. Yeah. And so uh, Bernard happens to be in the area. They live in Florida these days, but he happened to be coming up into New Jersey area, so we're happy to welcome him again. This is a, a ministry that we support as a church, so things that you put into um, into the offering and into a missions uh, budget, all those things get routed out to different people who are serving the Lord in a variety of different interesting and very needy places. And so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you this morning Bernard Ugwoke. And make him feel real warm and welcome as he comes to the platform. He's going to share a few things about his ministry. Good morning, bro. Thank you. I will get the um, the distance. Absolutely. Clip. Okay. Oh, that's right. You got Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Yeah, I'm happy because Pastor pronounced my name correctly. Unlike many, I say, say, walk, 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 but Ugoke, that was very correct. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm also very grateful to uh, this church. Truly, truly, you have been a major part of our story in mission. I work with an organization called Crew, and Jesus Film is on that crew. So we have been blessed. Uh, this is my 27th year now in crew. But what can we do without the support of churches and individuals like you? Um, but as the Lord will always say, there is need for laborers. We still need more. The harvest is filled. Donna, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. You know, open your eyes. That's what the Lord told the, the disciples. Don't you say four more months before the harvest? In John 4, verse 35, he said, look, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are already white, ready for harvest. It is happening everywhere. It is happening. So um, you will uh, sign up or uh, take a little sheet outside there, the half page, um, bookmark, sorry, that you can identify with all that is going on. This is my family. Um, 
I see the, the hope, the 17-year-old now is, uh, is in college, but it was very small by the time we knew this church. Then Joshua, that looks very tall, is only 15. <laughs> and then the middle one is, uh, okay, just turned 14 this September. So, and my wife, sorry, all, all of them are not here. I'm the only one representing them. And on behalf of them, I want to say thank you and greetings. Okay. Um, what happened to it? Okay. Let's watch this film. Well, Ruth and I were asked to be a part of uh, starting the projector for the first showing of this Jesus film. Just to know that there's people here who have never heard of Jesus, and now they're going to get to see him and hear him talk in their own language. And that's the amazing part to me. I was just awestruck by the number of people that were present. Probably we would guesstimate about 4,500 people came to the premiere, and we were just blown away by the number. Certainly much more than I had ever anticipated. For these people to see Jesus speak in their own gamo tongue for the first time has got to be a great experience. This is Ethiopia. Boy, seeing the Jesus film here in this country is just mind-blowing. They were so focused, they hardly moved. Their eyes were just glued to the screen. It's just, it just takes your breath away to see the emotion that the people feel, but also the, the emotion that it brings out in my heart to see it for the first time in this environment. I thought, you know, God is really speaking to them. They're not watching a movie. They're having an experience with Jesus Christ. He's speaking to their hearts and they're responding. things would happen. I just remember seeing some of the wailing and the children just sobbing and crying. I just took my breath away. Realized what Jesus and the pain and the suffering that He did for us. Was it just a little too much to bear? And to see the response was truly unbelievable to see that they, they wasted no time initially 
Once the first gentleman stepped out, it's as though they all came. We were excited to see so many come, and most of them young men. That was exciting. What is more of a blessing than seeing people come to the Lord, you know? <laughs> I, can, I cannot think of anything better. Well, <laughs> sorry. Well, that film was uh, in Ethiopia, Gamu people in southern Ethiopia, but it is the same almost everywhere in Africa. The thing that makes Jesus film unique from all other Jesus movies, eh, there are three things. Jesus' film is faithful to the word of God, entirely translated from the book of Luke, and then it is in people's heart language. People's heart language. You know when the Bible said, when God sends out his word, it will never return void. And when it is spoken in the people's language, it even has more impact. Uh, and we take it to where the people live. It doesn't matter. It's Muslim areas, wherever, it always produces the same result. So, um, in Africa, where we came from, whenever we show Jesus' film and show another discipleship film, a church is planted. Please, do you understand my accent? If you're having difficulty, just raise, my, raise your hand. <laughs> wow, so we're understanding ourselves today. Okay. All right, so a church is planted, I mean, Rick Warren of Saddleback said in, her, in his estimate that two-thirds of all churches planted in the last 10 years use Jesus' film in one way or the other. And this is not only in Africa, in Asia, in many parts of the world. It's produced here, um, 1979, but we are seeing that not much of Jesus' film is going on here in America. Um, in Africa, where we came from, um, in Gambia, Gambia is like 95% Muslim and 2.5% Christian. We mobilized the church in the Gambia and used Jesus' film and were able to establish 122 house churches. 122. Before we left, 31 of them, you know, built their own structure. Because house churches, they can meet in school, in homes, in anywhere. But 31 of them, before we left Gambia in 2017, they have their own structure. It's not like, it's not as beautiful, it's not as big as this church. You know, they use leaves and past houses and, you know, so that is, that is the power of Jesus' film, what he's doing. And um, here, what are we doing here in America? Well, Jesus' film continues to have the same impact. This time, I have been asked to target Africans who have migrated to America, not America, whether they are uh, in US or Canada or anywhere. So, good thing. How many languages? Do you know 
Jesus' film has been translated into. Do you know how many languages Jesus' film exists? Just guesstimate. How many languages of the world? Huh? <laughs> no. Over 2,000. Over 2,000 languages in the world has been translated. And it means whether you are not English speaker in America, whether, wherever you come from, there is great percent uh, uh, a chance that every nation is represented here in America, people from all nations. So what do we do? Jesus' film is in their language. They are coming here to look for greener pastures, or they are fleeing from war, or whatever is driving them to come to America. The question is, what can be greener than Jesus? What can be greener than offering them Jesus in their own heart language? So what, what I personally do is going to place uh, cities where these immigrants are, and um, thank God, Baptist Media has produced one app where you know the concentration of immigrants from different nations of the world. Wherever they are, you, ca- they can, you can scroll and see where they live and what they do, where they live. So we go to this concentrated area and work with organizations that work with immigrants, churches that work with immigrants, and give them this tool of Jesus' film for evangelism. Our intention is that a church is planted among immigrants. And in doing so, they will be used as instruments in reaching their people back home. So whenever you see, you know, all these uh, things happening in the border, people coming in, don't worry. God is using it for his own glory. God is bringing mission field right into our soil. So it is no longer, oh, everything is bad. Immigration is bad. Oh, people are, look up. Donna told us this morning, look up and see that God is doing something wonderful. We, most of the time, are not allowed to enter their country because of political reason, because of uh, you know, religious reason, obviously. And, um, you know, but they come here. So when they come here, it's like God is the one that is sending them. And may they not go back the same way they come. And God forbid they will transport their own religion into this place as they have done in other parts of the world. In Europe, they are transporting their religion. So that is what we do. It's a, it's a large, it's, 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 it's just, the scope is too large. And we are asking people, everywhere, please join hand. Join hand. Pastor Jimmy has told me, he has Jesus film app shared here. And that Jesus film app, that thing in your phone, eh, there is a great chance any immigrant you see here, you have the language in your phone. And there are conversation starter. You don't just begin to show Jesus film and say, okay, watch this. Conversation starter. So, please, what language do you speak? You say, I speak um, Amharic. I, 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 I speak uh, Yoruba. Just, it's okay. You help me. What is this? The first reaction is, oh, where do you get that? Where do you get that? You say, oh, do you want me to send it to you? And you are sending gospel. And from, I mean, it's just as simple as that. Whether you are sitting in the airplane or waiting anywhere. So, it is a handy tool. So, we are doing it, but... All, Ultimately, we want churches planted in these immigrant communities. In doing so, we are reaching America in, from the other angle. 
No, somebody said, oh, but why not? Why not reach Americans now? But yeah, we, Americans are being reached. Immigrants are reached. Americans are also being reached. So what my wife has a different role still in Jesus' film is under prayer. All Everything we do in Jesus' fame and us, or the whole crew, is bettered in prayer. So, um, like Spurgeon, she likes to quote this uh, Spurgeon, uh, uh, what Spurgeon quoted, that prayer uh, moves the arm that moves the world. So, what do they do in prayer department? They mobilize Christians, they mobilize churches, they mobilize people to pray. There are 12 countries in the world we are 75% of the world's unreached people are. So if you go out now, you will see some of those prayer guides. To pick one, let me just try to mention a few of them. Uh, I can't remember about the 12. Russia is there, um, Indonesia, Bangladesh, China, India, Pakistan, uh, Vietnam, and, and the rest. Sorry, I can't mention all the 12. But they ask people, adopt any of these nations. Start praying. Even if you can't go there, even if you can't go to Vietnam or can't go to Iran, you can pray. And God, God can do miracle with, with people. Okay, let me just tell you, this survey in Iran, they surveyed how many people are true Muslims in Iran. Only 30% say they are true, Christ, true Muslims. What are the 70%? God is doing something where we think God, God, is, God is locked out. And it's through these people moving. Cheap in Iran is happening by people who are living outside of Iran. Praise the Lord. So, um, your role, please. Everybody has something to do. Everybody. If you, are, if you cannot pray, okay, come. and Join us in one of our outreaches. On 16th of October, we'll be in New York City. You know, targeting, targeting the immigrants in New York. After that is Chicago, then San Francisco, Ontario, Canada. So you can do something. And right now we are looking, um, we are not working because they say go talk to supporting churches, go talk to individuals. We need 15 more partners so that we can resume. And it has to complete this September. So if that is what you can do also, please sign up so that we can get in touch with you. And once again, I want to say thank you, Freedom Church. You have really been a blessing to us, huge blessing. And let me just say a word of prayer, a word of prayer before I go. Father, thank you. Thank you for your spirit is moving here. Your spirit is moving in the life of everybody. Father, as the name Freedom Church goes, may this be truly a sanctuary of freedom that no man, no woman, no child coming in here will go with any burden of the enemy, with sickness, with disease, with whatever affliction. Cause your spirit, Father, to lift off this burden as you invited us to come, that you will give us rest. Cause our eyes to be open, as our sister shared, to see what you are doing presently in our time, even where we are, that you are doing something in our world. Father, we just want to thank you. We give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, thank you. <clears throat> thank you so much, Bernard, for um, reminding us and kind of getting back in touch with us. 
I'd like to receive an offering for uh, their ministry and uh, as, they, as they continue to do the work that they're doing promoting the Jesus film. And it, it's kind of an interesting new approach to missions in general that it's reaching out to people who are here from other countries, reaching those lives, and then those lives are then motivated to go back to their own country and reach people and reach family and friends and, and, uh, and their culture. So... We appreciate what you're doing. We want to receive an offering here this morning. So if you, ever, you guys want to come down. Hey, we got some rookies out, huh? Yeah. All right, cool. Come on down here, guys. Now remember, it goes in the plate. Which is great. Keep that in mind. So let's take a moment. We'll pray for, uh, for God's blessing on the offering. Lord God, thank you for people who are doing the work of presenting the gospel all over the world. This is what's happening in terms of what you are doing in our world. You are continuing to reach lives and touch lives and save souls and bring people in to this glorious family that you are building called the church. We thank you that it's happening here, it's happening in Africa, it's happening in Asia, it's happening in Europe. It is happening everywhere and it will continue to happen until the Lord Jesus himself comes back and sets up that kingdom finally and establishes it forever, rules and reigns from Jerusalem. So we look forward to all of that. But in the meantime, we've got a work to do. We've got a world to reach. There are nations to be reached. And so, Lord, we thank you for Bernard. We thank you for Ron. We thank you for their kids and for the work that they're doing. We thank you for the dedication that they have. And we, we are grateful for your call upon their lives that took them out of whatever they were doing before and set them on a fruitful path to be able to serve you and serve others, exalt Jesus, and win people to this kingdom. So we pray for this offering. We pray you'll bless it. We pray that you'll multiply it. We pray that it will be used in every way to bring honor, glory, praise, and thanks to you, because you deserve every bit of it. We pray this all now in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all of God's people said? Amen. All right, good. Be generous. And in the meantime, all right, <clears throat> my, uh, my, my time is a little pinched here this morning, so I'm going to have to, I think, probably uh, maybe curtail a little bit of what um, I have in mind. But I, we have been over the last little while in the book of Proverbs, and uh, we, kind of st- we, we touched on it, we got into it, we kind of got into the intro, we'll look at it again this morning. Um, but we are by no means finished with the book of Proverbs, as there is a ton in there that uh, is left to be, uh, to be discovered. And the, the, one of the really wonderful things, one of the most excellent things about the book of Proverbs is that it's practical. It is, very, it is a very practical, you know, some things are presenting high and lofty and glorious spiritual truths, and uh, those are understood by us as we grow and mature in the Lord. But Proverbs is like where the rubber meets the road. Proverbs is about how we live our life. Proverbs is about how we interact with other people. And, 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 and really, I know I've said this a few times in the course of doing these messages, but wisdom is all about, or is, is, is discovered or is manifested most particularly in the course of relationships, in the context of relationships. You can tell by your relationships whether or not you are a person of wisdom. If your relationships all stink, you probably need, you need a little more wisdom. 
So wisdom is what gives us the kind of ability to, to understand other people, to understand situations, to be able to interact with other people, to be able to um, work things together. So, so the wisdom of God, which is found in Proverbs, is that which really promotes and produces excellent behaviors. It's, it's also important to realize that we have a major uh, leg up on the attainment um, or yeah, the attainment of wisdom or the gaining of wisdom because in the Old Testament, all they had were these Proverbs. And they, they were like rules that had been laid down over years, written down by people um, who had discovered what kinds of things were actually working. And uh, so if, if, if we were Old Testament people, if we were Jews from the Old Testament, um, we would be looking at these Proverbs and we would be on the hook to practice these things as part of the covenant relationship with God. But in the New Testament, we have something so much greater than Proverbs because we have Jesus, who the Bible says has been made for us wisdom and knowledge. So Jesus himself, of course, is the full embodiment of wisdom. And so as we look to him, we, we see a manifestation fully and completely of what God's, God's wisdom looks like when it is lived out in human form. So that's, that's part of the reason why it is so important and so necessary to seek for the Lord and seek to understand Jesus, to read the Gospels, to understand who he is and what he's done in his way, because um, he is wisdom personified. So <clears throat> we're, uh, we've been in this for a little while. We've been, uh, we have been going through kind of the, the early section, but uh, what, what I want to bring us to or touch upon this morning, um, I'm calling principles from Proverbs. Because um, if you remember when we, we first got into this, and we'll look at this for a moment when we, uh, when we review that first opening section, um, we said that the first 10 chapters are a series of 10 messages from a father to a son. All of those are, are like, you know, my son, if you will listen to my words and not despise my commandments, if you will incline your heart to wisdom, if you will lift up your voice for understanding, if you cry for, cry out for it as for silver and, uh, and as for fine gold, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. So there's this, there is this series of conversations, conversations, probably lectures or something more like that, where a fa- ad- admonishments might be a better word, a series of 10 chapters of admonishments from a father to his son, encouraging the son to walk in the way of wisdom. That's the first 10 chapters. Then we get to like chapters 11 through 30, really, because 31 is the, um, is the chapter on the virtuous wife, the virtuous woman. So uh, 11 through 30 are a whole series of kind of like, it's like God sent down some tweets or something like that. Okay, like these little short, little pithy statements, right? When you tweet somebody, you've got 140 characters to be able to say whatever it is that you want to say because that's the way the whole thing works. Well, in Proverbs, it's kind of like God has given us these short, little, punchy, little say- statements and sayings um, in order to uh, give us a greater understanding of how the world works and, uh, and, and who he is and what he's up to. So... Um, as we, um, as we looked into this over the summer months, we, we um, kind of delved into that first opening section. We hopefully, you did, memorized uh, that particular se- uh, section. Um, and it's a very general statement about the fundamental purpose of the book. Let me reference it. Oh, one more thing we want to put on here. Today we're going to be looking at 
understanding the power of our words. So that's the, the point that I'm making is that within the book of Proverbs, there are a whole bunch of sub-themes. We've hit on big ones, wisdom, understanding, uh, obedience, uh, seeking the Lord, so many things in, in the first section, but um, there's, there are many sub, um, subtopics that, that, we can, uh, that we can reference and, 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 uh, and learn, learn a great deal about. And the one that we're going to learn about today is the power of our words. And we're going to try to do that all in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> all right, we'll give it a shot. So here we have the section that we have been looking at. And let me just, uh, let me read it. You can read it along with me if you like. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. Is that practical? Right? That is, that is totally practical, right? It's laying it right out. This is the purpose of this book. If you get into this book, if you take time with this book, you will increase in wisdom, in discipline, in your understanding of wisdom, per se, and, uh, and it will help you to live a disciplined and a successful life. These, oh, let me see, is it? Yeah, these Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen and, add, and become even wiser. Let, I'm sorry, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these proverbs and parables, the words and the, of the wise and their riddles. And then he lays out the bottom marker, the, 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 the ultimate starting point for, for all wisdom and for all spiritual development. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So it's obviously built right into that, that the purpose of the Proverbs is to teach us how to become wise, disciplined people, to help us to understand the, the insights and sayings of those that have gone before us, um, and to teach us to live, live disciplined and successful lives by doing what is right, just, and fair. If we choose to be wise people, these Proverbs will make us even wiser people. So these Proverbs are, are extremely important. The first 10 chapters, as I said, are a series of admonitions, cautions, warnings, um, a, a lot of counsel from a father to his son regarding specific areas of moral danger, failing to, to listen uh, to the instruction of one's parents. You know, there, there's something to be said there too. Young people, it, it, it is the, the fourth commandment. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the earth which the Lord thy God has given you. In other words, and, and in the New Testament, we're told that that is the first commandment with a promise. That if I am faithful to honor my mother and my father, God will put a blessing on my life for that obedience. And so as a starting point, if you are, let's say, a teenager, which we have a number of here, it's real important that you open your ears and hear what your parents are saying to you. And that even goes beyond whether or not your parents are like super church and super godly people. There's something built into the parent relationship that is kind of unlike any other relationship in the world. Because if there's one thing that almost universally all parents do is they love their kids. 
and they want for their well-being, they want for their welfare. This is just whether, whether you're a godly parent or not. So it is wise to learn to listen to what your parents are trying to say to you. And all the parents said, there we go, right? But one of the wisest things that you can do is realize, I, mean, we, 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 I remember one time being at Bill Gothard's, one, one of Bill Gothard's seminars, and he was asking the question, if you're looking for guidance, where will you go? And so people came up with, I'll go talk to my pastor, or I'll read the Bible, or I'll spend more time in prayer, or I'll talk to some other people in the church or some leaders. And he said, he went through all, all, these, uh, all these teens had a variety of different answers. He said, the one answer I never got was, I'll ask my parents. Isn't that wild? Right, because we, we kind of get into this phase where we think that our parents are just dumb and they don't know anything and you know, we know everything and you know, so it, we get into that kind of a weird phase. But there's few things in this world more beneficial than the counsel, the direction, the admonition of your parents and that's the first 10 chapters of this. So failing, the, 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 the first problem would be failing to listen to the instruction of one's parents. The next one is failing to uh, or the danger of falling under the influence of bad people. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let us wa- lie and wait for blood, don't listen to any of that. So he's warning uh, the young person about the danger of bad friends. Is that a good warning? Is that a worthwhile warning? Oh yeah, that's real important. And young people, that's really important that you yourself challenge yourself and protect yourself because there are a lot of really lost and crazy young people around today and there are all kinds of influences around that are going to take you nothing but down a bad road and so it is wise for you that that's why i I can tell you how to fix all of that be a jesus person oh man i could go off on this i could just forget this become a jesus person what i want to be when i grow up is a jesus person full tilt 100%, right? What does that mean to be a Jesus person? I want to think like Jesus. The Bible says I have the mind of Christ. That means I can think as Jesus thought. And if I can think as Jesus thought, I can interpret this ridiculous world in the same way that he did. And I can see how God is um, working in all of it. In other words, I, I can labor fruitfully in this world and do something creative and important because I'm a Jesus person. And to be a Jesus person means, for me to be a Jesus person means I want to honor Jesus with the life that I live. I don't live a perfect life. None of us are ever going to live a perfect life. But when we honor the Lord, um, if you you remember that that chariot, what was it, chariots of fire? Was that where where it said, um, I will honor those who honor me? And that guy was running and decided not to run on a Sunday. And then they changed everything around. He actually wound up winning the gold medal. But God will honor you if you honor him. And the best way you can honor him is just keep him close and don't be ashamed of Jesus. Boy, if there's anything in this world, hallelujah, amen. If there is anything in this world not to be ashamed of, it is Jesus. If there is anything in this world that is the most perfect, most excellent, most delightful um, life that has ever been seen, it is the life of Jesus Christ. The more deeply you look in, you see the perfection. Now the hard part is we are supposed to compare ourselves to him and that's a game in which we lose all the time. 
but that's what makes you strong. So, so to become a Jesus person means that you will love the Lord, that you will pursue the Lord, that you will seek the Lord, that you will honor the Lord, that you will not be ashamed of the Lord in any way, because if you are not ashamed of Christ in your life, you're gonna find out that all the wrong people, in other words, if you're upfront about the fact that you're a Christian, all the wrong people are gonna say, see ya. They're, they're gonna lose you fast. And, 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 it, and it happens totally naturally. You don't have to do anything to try to get rid of bad people. They'll just go. They will. Because bad doesn't like Jesus, okay? Bad deeply dislikes Jesus and everything about Jesus. That's why there has been this movement throughout our country over the last 60, 80, 100 years to just expunge, to, take, to sanitize, to take everything religious off the table so that young people don't know anything about Jesus. And then if you don't know anything about the Lord, you don't know anything about the Bible, then you are chopped meat, for, the, for every ridiculous thing that comes down the road. So become a Jesus person. That's probably about as far as I can get that. Amen. So let's, uh, let's thank you. Praise the Lord. All right, so let's... So anyway, I'm kind of... I mean, in terms of... In terms of, let's see. Okay, so these chapters offer a variety of... Uh, Oh, we're not, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to get into this, but I will tell you a little story before I quit. And it, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, referencing a poem called The Toiling of Felix. It's a wonderful poem by Henry Van Dyke. It's uh, probably 100 plus years old, but it's this excellent story about this guy Felix who's looking for God. Okay, in that same book, and, and what we want to, what, what I hoped to present today was uh, this whole teaching about the power of our words and understanding. Life and death is in the power of the tongue and he that is wise will eat the fruit thereof. Life and death are in the power of the tongue and he that is wise will eat the fruit thereof. And so in this, um, in this book of poems, there's this poem by Henry Van Dyke called Vera. And it's really cool. It's about this deaf girl. Okay, and, and it... And it it kind of this, the, the, the poem is written kind of from her point of view. And, and here she is, a young, she's a young woman, but she's deaf, she can't hear anything. And so she observes things that are going on. She sees a bunch of people doing things with instruments, but she has never heard it because she can't hear. And she sees people conversing and interacting with one another. And she's watching their lips move as they talk and communicate with one another but she can't hear what they're, what they're saying. And, and she's very despondent, as anyone would be, about the, the lack of being able to hear. So she is encouraged to go see the master. And the master is this, you know, this, this famous person that can bring healing um, to people's lives. And so she goes to see the master. The master compassionately looks at the situation and he touches her and lo and behold, her hearing is restored. So wonderful, right? All the, what, what better could happen? But there's an interesting, and, and again, just bringing it back to life and death is in the power of the tongue and he that is wise will eat the fruit thereof. When her ears are opened, all of a sudden, she, see, up to this point, she has not known falsehood. She has never heard anybody lie to her or deceive her. 
And all of a sudden, she becomes aware that a lot of this conversation that's going on, there's nothing genuine to it. It's deceptive, it's false, it's misleading. And the very thing that she most hoped would be the most liberating thing to actually engage and become involved with with the others in this world, all of a sudden brings in a, a, a major complication to her life. Because now, now she can actually hear that people can just be terribly false with words. We'll set, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll lay that in here as kind of a, a fundamental point in terms of where we're going to be going with this. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so she had, she had seen that there was some kind of a magic going on between people as their lips were moving and as they were communicating with one another, but never understood it. But then once her ears were opened, she... Um, had, she began to realize that people can be terribly false and deceptive with words, which is really true, because life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so we've got to leave it right there for, the, for this morning, but maybe you'll be thinking about that, and we'll come back to it again next week, because the Bible has tons to say about the way we talk. A harsh word uh, stirs up anger, but a gentle word um, smooths over. I forget exactly. I'm not getting that one right. Somebody will get it right for me. But I mean, there just there are there are so many things. The, the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing, and there are probably 20 or 30 of these individual um, proverbs that are there's just one or two of them. There, they're kind of like just in their own little setting. But the um, but they address this particular matter of how we use language. Have you ever thought about what a gift? it is to the human race to be able to actually communicate. I mean, we take this for granted, right? But we are the only creature that we are aware of or can see and interact with that can actually do this. To be able to talk intelligently, to communicate. What a gift this is that God has given to humanity and what a bad thing it is when we pervert it or use it falsely. So we'll take, uh, we'll, we'll take a little more time to get into this next week. Father God, we thank you for this morning. And I, with, I thank you that you have a way to change what was corrupted in us, our whole ability to communicate and to, to cleanse that stream and make our tongue literally a fountain of life, a, a, literally a fountain of spiritual life and eternal life. We can speak life into other people or we can speak death into other people. And our words have that kind of consequential power to them. So Lord, may we, be, may we just begin to get tuned into this, and then uh, next week we'll take some time to look at the various Proverbs, and it will encourage us a whole, whole series of a whole number of things having to do with the way that we speak, the way we, we communicate we thank you for uh, the time to be here this morning. We thank you again for Bernard and Ron, the work that they're doing. And God, make us mindful and cognizant of the fact that we can speak life into other people, or we can speak death into other people. And so may we be thinking about that this week, and may we use the words. As the psalmist said, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Lord God, we ask your blessing upon each life. We ask your blessing upon each home. We ask your blessing on each marriage. We ask your blessing upon every young person. We thank you for all that you are gathering to bring here. And we thank you for the opportunity to just publicly get together and speak the word. And then take that word out of here and bring it to those that desperately need it, who are lost and who are failing in this life. So thank you, Lord God, for what you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.